Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson, enterprise trucking carrier expert here at Freight Waves. And on today's episode, we're going to talk trucking with uh, Mr. Chris Henry. Before we get to that, though, got to throw a quick sponsor message uh, via our corporate sponsor, Emerge. This Loaded and Rolling episode was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge, focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships. Emerge is a proud sponsor of the Loaded and Rolling community. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement processes, enabling shippers to make the most strategic decisions possible. Learn more at www.emerge.com. And with that, we will go into some quick headlines first. So, headline number one is record fourth quarter earnings by trucking carriers. So we're starting to see uh, a, a few of the publicly traded trucking companies post their earnings. What makes it important? The larger the trucking company, if you have it in your portfolio, it's kind of like a canary in the coal mine for the economy. So uh, look to trucking first, and eventually we'll see retail and other uh, indices follow suit. So what we have, first one is J.B. Hunt. Uh, we have uh, definitely... First off, discussing operating ratio. You're going to see in this image here with J.B. Hunt, we're going to have uh, looking at revenue and OR. The key thing to look at is operating ratio. So if you're 80% or below, you're doing fantastic. If you're 90%, you're most large trucking companies. 95 to 100%, you're on the tail end of a business cycle or something's up. So operating ratio is imagined for every dollar. If I have a 80% operating ratio, I'm making 20 cents of that in profit. So... OR equals basically your net income percentage. So we see J.B. Hunt here. We go from 92.4% down to 90.8. We see a decrease of about 2%. And in operating ratio, that's actually a good thing. So, you know, when we were looking at J.B. Hunt, revenue is up about 30% year over year. And operating ratio decreased. You're, when you're so large like that, you're having a great opportunity to see that uh, you're taking advantage of record spot market, record rates. And with the operating ratio going down, you also see that they're doing better internally and saving costs. So they're, they're one of the top five trucking companies, according to FreightWave's top 500 carrier list. We're going to move on to the second one now, which is Heartland Express. A little bit smaller, oh, much smaller, yeah, about $148 million in revenue versus $3.5 billion in revenue. But what's really important to look at with this data is the operating ratio. So we go from 83.3% down to 79%. Heartland uh, is indicative of a carrier with good pricing discipline. When you're pricing your network, you're making your bids and your decisions, uh, you generally want to uh, you know, decrease the amount of waste in your network. So when we're looking at this data here, uh, you, you see that they're down maybe 5% on the revenue, but they're making up for it with a huge change of about 5% in operating ratio. So that's just more money in the bank. Finally here, we're going to PAM Transportation Services. This is one where revenue made a huge jump. Uh, you can check them out, obviously, with reporting on Freight Waves by Todd Maiden. These, all of these images came from Freight Waves. And what you're looking at here is you went from $104 million to over $150 million. You increased it 43.6%. And, you know, it, it's remarkable. I think they win uh, the MVP so far out of my list of three just because they went from an 87.6% operating ratio down to 79.3%. I'm throwing numbers at you, dear listener or TV watcher, but when we look at this, what's important to think about is, you know, 
just how much this environment has created chaos for carriers. And we're seeing now in the financials their ability to uh, adjust to it. Second topic, really quick, dangers of dwell. Inefficiencies are not your friend. I have here the wait time in minutes. If we look at this image real fast, and when you look at it, you're seeing that the blue line is where we're currently at, and then the smaller lines above it represent previous year's data. What do you see? The holidays got less hectic, and now it's going back up. Well, time is increasing. The supply chain itself is struggling to keep up with demand. So if you ever want to look at it, wait time basically takes how long you wait in the location, and it goes from there. Now, um, finally, real fast, uh, we have a sonar chart. Wanted to look at volumes real quick. Uh, at the end of the day, you're looking at blue. You're seeing right current year. We're still very high compared to 2018 and into 2019. That's kind of the key takeaway for this. When you're looking at making decisions moving forward, just understand that with the volumes high, you're still seeing it in rejections. It's really hard for capacity to meet with demand. And you're going to continue to see this issue just because class eight orders, chip shortages, everything else under the sun is a headwind. And we're seeing it right now with increased inflation. So now let's introduce our guest. With me today, I have Mr. Chris Henry, who has over 20 years of experience in transportation, currently the Chief Operating Officer at KSM Transport Advisors in Canada. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks for having me and congrats on the new show and the new newsletter. I appreciate it. We're, um, we're super excited to have you on. I wanted to start off first. I know you've done some commentaries in the past with freight waves. I found one back from 2019, uh, you know, before the pandemic started becoming mm -hmm. zero to redneck uh, in my local parlance. Um, <laughs> going in from 2019, it said less profit, more problems for truckload carriers. We look through some Q4 earnings. We see more more profit, but also maybe more problems. If you knew now what we know now, two years since hindsight, would there be anything that you would you would look out for uh, or tell yourself, hey, you pay attention to this? Yeah, well, in hindsight, the first thing, uh, really the, 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 the big thing was the pandemic. I was very much pessimistic at the beginning of the pandemic on how uh, the, it was going to affect uh, carriers, profitability, the driver situation, and it you know did negatively affect carriers for a certain period of time. But the tables turned very quickly, and I had no idea. I never saw that coming. So I was very much a sky is falling person. In hindsight, when you look at trucking chaos, typically uh, when chaos enters a picture, whether it's a weather event or <laughs> this very uh, once in a generation event. Chaos typically means positive things in terms of uh, demand and also freight rates. So I, I, in hindsight, I should have taken the more contrarian uh, view, which there was many uh, freight waves that did that. And uh, also, what I would have done is really in, emphasize to carriers to pay attention to their operating costs. Uh, because in a freight rate inflationary environment, you're also going to have all your other operating costs uh, inflate as well. And, and that's what has happened. So labor costs, equipment costs, just general labor costs, including non-driver costs have, have gone up. Um, there's not just a driver shortage, but there's also a non-driver shortage, uh, just talent shortage in general. So really getting carriers to focus on their processes and um, attention to their P&L so that uh, they can capture more of that potential profit 
Um, so everyone's revenue is high these days. Um, but considering the buoyant, very buoyant attitudes of carriers, you would think the operating ratios would would match. But anecdotally, they they really don't. I would have thought there'd be a 5% improvement across the board for everyone. That's just not happening. So I, I like when you're talking about managing and controlling operating costs. And just like you said, we had some Q4 data that started. We're going to see a lot more as the month progresses. Uh, you know, to, some carriers are taking advantage of this and looking inward and saying, I need to improve this. Some are not. Do you think this is going to become a, a wake up call uh, as we start to see these earnings reports, uh, in your opinion, given how like sky high everything's been? Well, just as an example, you mentioned Heartland and I, you know, uh, kind of as a as a data nerd, I've been tracking them along with all the other publicly traded companies back since 2013. And if you go back historically with Heartland quarter by quarter by quarter, uh, you know, a 79, a 78 OR isn't unheard of for them. So considering how profitable they were uh, historically before the pandemic, you would have think thought there would be significant improvement for them. But it just goes to show you, despite this big run-up in freight rates, um, it definitely isn't translating. For others, you know, in certain networks and certain uh, um, sub-industries, they're able to capture some uh, short-term uh, operating pro- uh, ratio gains. But um, I, I think in general, the, the cautionary phrase should be applied is watch your, watch your, uh, the, everything in between because uh, there's opportunities for everyone. You just got to uh, pick your battles. And I like what you're talking about. There's opportunities for everyone. I think right now we are starting to see another opportunity at the border between U.S. and Canada. Uh, cross-border predictions here. Vaccine requirements have been implemented now both for Canadian and United States drivers as well as Mexico. Uh, we have here an outbound tender rejection index with Canada, uh, an image I'm going to throw up real quick. What's interesting about this is you know, I wonder if this is a seasonality in your opinion, or do you think this will become an actual issue where some Canadian carriers are saying maybe 10% of them remain unvaccinated, some are saying this will not be an issue. In your experience, is this vaccine uh, cross-border mandate something that we should be aware of or pay attention to? Yeah, pragmatically, you got to look at it regionally in Canada. So in Alberta, this will have much more of an effect on carriers there because um, just in terms of the reporting, uh, the percentage of uh, people in general that are vaccinated in Alberta compared to Ontario is is much less. So carriers are going to you know hurt in that area, and rates are going to go up. Uh, in Ontario, there is many more or a higher percentage of drivers vaccinated, so it won't affect those Canadian carriers as much. But on the flip side, uh, U.S. carriers, I think um, there's so much opportunity intra-U.S. Uh, that. A lot of them that may have been on the fence uh, about hauling goods to Canada may decide, oh, we have other opportunities. We don't have to deal with border issues and wait times. We talk, you know, you were talking about dwell times. Wait times at the border um, are are a big deal, and they always have been. So some, and you know, you could read into the Schneider situation, them closing down in Canada. That could have been, and I'm not inferring this, but it it could have been one of the uh, things that led them to say, you know, maybe this isn't worth it for us. So there could be other U.S. carriers that may be doing the same thing. So I think in general, it is going to affect rates and it's going to be beyond seasonality. And if it really affects, especially on the Canadian side, uh, the, you know, what the shelves look like in the stores, and I suspect they will because we're seeing it in major metropolitan areas, 
then you may have some kind of relaxed uh, mandate or removal of mandate potentially. And I think that's a great point um, regarding just how uh, interconnected. We're looking at like $800 billion of cross-border freight, I think, it can be impacted mm -hmm. by this decision. And so um, I, I keep hearing that Canadian freight going back into Canada is woefully underpriced. Do you, do you believe that? Do you think that this is an opportunity to finally put more value on backhauls back into Canada instead of having them artificially depressed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there's definitely that. You know, there is a, a, a Canadian carrier, uh, they um, are not permitted to haul intra-US loads. So they don't have the opportunity to reposition themselves um, and make money. They have to basically take the nearest load and brokers and shippers know that to get, you know, reduce their empty miles and get back to Canada and start the whole chain all over again. So this will certainly, at least for the short term, benefit Canadian carriers for um, you know, repatriating themselves with some decent, uh, decent rates. So in general, um, the, the kind of the freight rate party, as it's referred to by my friend Jack Porter, didn't really happen in, 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 in Canada the same way it happened in the US. So um, this may be, uh, for some Canadian carriers, their opportunity to capture some of that yield. And I think that kind of brings us into the next topic, which I know that you you definitely have kind of a, a man after my own heart, truckload network optimization. It's a huge, huge mm -hmm. concept, but basically boils down to how can we do things better? How can we better connect the dots? How can we speed it up? Do you think right now, um, given how sky high rates are, is there anything you would be doing if you, you needed to advise a major carrier? I got an RFP coming up. I got this customer mix. What should I pay attention to now that I'm kind of in control of the wheel on pricing? Uh, well, you have to take a scientific approach. So you have to start with your historical loads. Um, and, you know, we have a, a model uh, that determines um, basically a, a yield pricing uh, or a yield calculation based on not only uh, the the financial components, so the, 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 the amount that load... Um, was tendered for, but also the it takes into account your operating costs and overlays that with a uh, an element of time. So basically, it's it's what it's doing. It's taking into account yield as well as velocity. So you need to start a basis of where you are right now. Establish a baseline from where you are today with your current customers' loads, lanes, and then you also have to apply um, an index to see where are the opportunities. Um, calculated in a similar manner. And then that gives you some actionable things. And what that does, it's not only discipline, but it also um, kind of goes beyond and eliminates those situations where you know you may have some really good, strong relationships with shippers and they've been there through thick and thin with you. But when you look at it scientifically, they were with you for a specific reason, and that could have been you know you were underpricing yourself. So, Taking a holistic, scientific, empirical approach to looking at your your network, uh, the opportunities with an index such as you know the track and uh, SEI pricing model with freight waves, um, and uh, and then making some good uh, objective decisions based on that. And a lot of those early decisions are hard decisions because it, it typically means that you're going to have a difficult conversation with a uh, another human being about laying a load a, a, a customer in general. I like your point where you're trying to use science to identify 
uh, areas than pain points. And I think that when you talked about velocity and flow of freight, it does remind me of like hydrology, where instead of water, we could be managing you know, how much pressure and how fast the water is. We're thinking instead of trucks, how fast are they going when they land in this market? What's the speed? And you can imagine it like a fluid system. And I think that's a concept a right. lot of people don't pay attention to is um, we have all of this route optimization software, but no one's taking it from an approach of time and utility, except for very few small startups and other stuff. Do you think right now, um, airlines are a great example who use software. Is there anything that Perfect. we should keep an eye out on developing coming across the radar in terms of like a lane level um, ability to look at this, or is it like normally proprietary? Uh, well, there's some carriers that definitely have an optimization system um, uh, along with, you know, a similar model to what uh, our company has developed. And there's other options out there as well. But I think looking at it uh, from a velocity point of view, incorporating the the time aspect and your analogy with flow is, is a good one. But I think that everyone has to, at the end of the day, remember that Everyone in this business is selling time, and you know it's it's not an infinite uh, resource. So being able to squeeze out as much margin as possible, it, it, you know, c- considering the entire effect on the network, not just that individual load, is going to benefit um, not only the carrier, but it's also going to in- benefit the driver. So they have more resources to invest in keeping drivers as opposed to chasing after new ones. Um, better equipment, uh, they become safer. One of the things that we understood in the TCA profitability program that I was involved with uh, prior to uh, KSM Transport Advisors was the safest fleets were also the most profitable fleets. And that in order to get to become the safest fleet, you have to have the profits first. So your freight network is your, you know, the, the core of what we do. And I, I like we're talking about safety as well. Uh, the safest fleets are normally the most profitable. Uh, in your experience right now, is, is it still uh, a huge issue looking at the insurance and compliance standpoint with COVID? Or do you see a situation where maybe uh, rates will finally improve instead of going up for carriers? Um, well, it's kind of a tale of two different markets. So in the Canadian market, there's some gaps and there's kind of an unnatural playing field for a certain segment of the industry. And, you know, so essentially, um, you know, there's uh, a market called facility in Canada where uh, if you don't have a, a good safety program and a good safety record, you can enter this facility program, but they don't have a, like a roster or a mark to market on the number of trucks you're operating or miles uh, on a uh, very time sensitive basis, so you could be paying you know fifty thousand dollars per truck per year, no kidding, but you may have you know a hundred trucks, even though the insurance was contemplated after uh, about one truck so it 's kind of unnatural, and that will be something that will be corrected in future time. but based on what I see, if you 're safer, there are going to be some new market opportunities are a safer carrier and you have a good focus and a mission focused on safety, there's going to be some activity-based insurance uh, companies and models being offered to you in addition to the traditional captive markets where you're kind of self-insuring yourself. So you're betting on yourself. So I think um, it's going to be a carrier market in, in, you know, in future years for, uh, for the insurance, uh, for, in the insurance market for carriers 
um, if you're serious about safety. If you're not, it's going to get much worse. So definitely safety first, as they always say. Um, final question here I'm thinking about. It's kind of a bigger topic. Trucking mergers and acquisitions. We've seen a bunch in 2021. Uh, Werner has bought capacity. Uh, we've got you know moves by Schneider and a few others. Do you think this will continue to persist? In your opinion, is it better to just buy a few extra trucks or kind of try to organically grow them? Um, well, in this environment, you need to be able to get uh, the the trucks themselves. And for all carriers, regardless of size, that's proving difficult. So, you know, even though they're promised production slots, they're not able to get trucks. So um, in the short term, it might be easier to um, to acquire but a lot of times, just like in any other industry, when you acquire someone, you know the emotion kind of uh, takes away from the reality of the situation. You're merging people, you're merging systems, sometimes very different TMSs, um, and uh, you know just the cultures. So that's very difficult. Has a lot of friction involved, and it takes a very strong set of leaders in order to you know do that properly. So if you're already kind of run off your feet, uh, taking on another carrier at this point, because you know multiples in terms of valuations are inflated uh, because of the uh, financials. So typically a company is going to be valued based on you know a couple of years of financials and the last two years have been pretty strong for carriers. So you got that going against you plus... Um, you know, the chaotic freight market that we're currently in and a lot of question marks about the future. But there are a couple that have done very well in this. You know, the recent acquisition we saw uh, buys and make of, of Hart in Maine, uh, Sharp uh, down in your neck of the woods um, was acquired by Christensen Transport out of Missouri. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those deals, uh, relatively speaking, um, in 2022. There's lots of rumors out there. I actually have a conversation tomorrow afternoon with Peter uh, Stepanovich at uh, Left Lane Associates in Toronto, and uh, he's been uh, he's been involved in a lot of the big name deals in the last uh, little while. Are you are you predicting more Canadian activity? I know uh, TFI did a merger with UPS Freight. We see some LTL moves. Uh, do you think any of the guys in Canada are kind of in a similar situation where they're looking to grow or expand in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, there's some rumors, so I think it's going to be increased activity in that regard. Um, I can't really speak to the ones that I've heard of, but uh, you know the TFI you can always count on for a couple acquisitions a year, and they're one of those ones that do it very well scientifically. They have a model, um, and it's just kind of re a repeatable model. So there's very few companies um, that can do acquisitions well, and they've proven themselves to be that with very few blips on the screen. Okay, and I think that's I think that's something definitely to keep a uh, keep an eye on as we move into 2022, especially that activity. Uh, which I'd just like to take the time to really thank you for coming on the show again. I honestly had no idea just how, especially in Canada and the cross-border dynamics, that's something that I think a lot of people are going to have to start paying attention to, especially with what's coming up. Mm -hmm. So we Absolutely. Can, There's a lot of questions. And I think we're going to have to have you back on to get some of these answers as well, uh, because it's Can't about wait. to get crazy up north, in my opinion. <laughs> but <laughs> Can't wait. We can find you on LinkedIn or you can check out KSM Transportation Consulting at www.ksmcpa.com. Uh, Mr. Chris Henry, thanks again for having us, uh, for coming on the show and looking forward to talking to you again Thank in you. the future. Take care, Thomas. We are about to hit a wrap for Loaded and Rolling, the podcast. 
And so if you would like, check out the newsletter at FreightWaves at Loaded and Rolling, www.freightwaves.com slash Loaded and Rolling. You can also check out our podcast on Apple and Spotify, or you can also find it under FreightWaves. We have a nice TV player. And that is it for the show. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson. We are over now. 